Are you ready for the weekend yet? We have events, news, and a guest for you to enjoy this Lake Life weekend. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lake Life Weekend Podcast. I'm Dirk, I'm your host, and it is Weekend 32 approaching. We have a wonderful guest today. Her name is Karen Terry from the University of Minnesota Extension, and she will speak about their event in Detroit Lakes, Aqua Chautauqua, next week, August 15, at Dunton Locks, 5 to 8 p.m., and you will learn all about that in our interview part. I don't want to miss to point out this weekend... Um, August 9th, 10th, and 11th, there is Looney Days in Virgus. We had the program a couple weeks back, and I'm very excited. There's so much program uh, that I cannot even uh, name it all. It's actually two pages full of program. I do want to point out that we have Dixie at the Beach, like a music event. Uh, we have a triathlon. We have a wiener dog race, uh, beanbag tournament, street dance, and we have a street fair. Of course, we have host our annual sandcastle contest at the beach on Saturday afternoon. So please come with your shovel and bucket to participate and win uh, prizes from us, from Lake Life Weekend. So um, come by to the beach and uh, sign up. It's free. Just come, attend, have fun, build a beautiful sandcastle and win prizes. Also meet us downtown Saturday. We have a... Um, booth and um, you can meet us we published a brand new road trip map which you can uh, pick up it's free um, we ran out our summer issue our magazine so stay tuned for the fall issue coming in September we're working hard on that um, one little thing I want to share is our online event map is still under production we have a beta version I'm sure you tried it out lakelifeweekend.com will guide you to our event map uh, it's populating but we had some issues sorry about that still please keep sending us your events that we can communicate them just email us to hello at lakelifeweekend.com and we will put them on the map here for you yeah, thank you for tuning in. I don't want to keep this much longer from our interview part. Now enjoy Karen Terry from the University of Minnesota Extension with our interview. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great weekend ahead. See you in Burgess. Welcome to our interview part. I'm here with Karen Terry. Hi, Karen. Hello. She is from the Minnesota of Uni no the University of Minnesota Extension, correct? And it's not a program; it's a college. Yes, it's its own entity within the university. And before we dive into your program that you are bringing to Detroit Lakes, the Aqua Chautauqua, right? Actually, coming up next week on August fifteenth, Thursday evening. 5 to 8 p.m. Before we talk about uh, all this and the stations and what we can expect and what we can learn over there, um, tell us a little bit about um, yourself, uh, who's Karen, uh, where are you from, and what are you doing at uh, the University of Minnesota Extension? Okay, so uh, let's see, who's Karen? I grew up in Indiana, 
and I always had a little bit of an interest in nature and outdoors, but I grew up in the big city of Indianapolis, and so I decided I was going to pursue something like this for my work, and I got a degree in natural resources, and I moved to Minnesota, and I got a job with the DNR, the Department right of Natural Resources, pretty much, yeah, okay. right away. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for a long time, and we did research and uh, some restoration work, and I realized that if I really wanted to make a difference, it should be in education. Because if we don't teach people how to do things better, they're going to keep making the mistakes over and over and over again. So we were doing restorations, but people just kept creating the problems. So it's really about education. So Extension came along and had a job opening as an educator in water resources. And I said, that's me. I'm going to do that. So that was 2006. Okay. And restoration, um, what is that? Uh, could be a lot of different things. Um, when I was with the DNR, we did stream restoration. So in a lot of places, we've straightened our stream channels where they should be wiggly, right? They should be curvy. We've straightened them. If we want them to be healthy systems, we need to make them curvy again. Uh, we also did a lot of dam, re- dam removals, and the DNR is still doing that. It's wonderful work. Um, we'll see that at Dunton Locks Park. We'll talk about that because dam they... Remo- yeah. What is a dam removal? Like an a, um, artificial dam or like... Um The beaver dam. Uh, Artificial dams. Ah. So dams that people have made for whatever reasons, right? Flood control, uh, generating power, Dunton locks. It was to create a lock so they could move the uh, boats from one lake to the other, coming up overland. I have two examples, actually. Uh, I think in Breckenridge, uh, um, the um, Audetay River. Yes. They are in the process of making it curvy again. Right. Right? Yes. And and why did you say, or like, what does that mean? I'm I'm a consumer. I'm not a land expert. So um, what is damaging, if we make it straight, the flow, obviously, or um, what else? The flow, but also the habitat. So there's a lot of physics involved in rivers and the shape of rivers. And so we can very easily predict what a sh- what shape a river will have based on the slope of the terrain, right? Here in the Red River Valley, it's pretty flat, mm-hmm. right? So our rivers on in flatland, the rivers make big, wide curves. Really? Because uh, of the flatness? Because of the flatness, right, mm-hmm. and because of the physics. So water runs that way because of resistance against the banks. And so when water, you have to you have to visualize it. So water curves around a bend to the left and when it's curving through that bend it's constantly eroding and eating that out oh sure and eventually it cuts through and goes straight for a very short distance and then it starts to curve again so it's constantly changing so rivers are stable a healthy river is stable but not static so it's changing course all the time so not only left and right across the land but also up and down so you have deep pools and shallow riffles and deep pools and shallow riffles When we make it go straight, we don't get that. When it goes straight, it's all the same. All one type of habitat. So we used to make them straight in the past, let's say in the 60s or 70s. -hmm. But now we are realizing that it is better to make them natural again? Exactly. To, To let them, it's meandering. That's the term, is meandering rivers. So we want them to meander so that they are more natural. And they aren't as likely to flood or do as much damage when they flood because... Just like if you are going to walk to the ice cream shop from here, if you can walk straight from point A to point B, 
it takes less energy than if you have to go down the street and turn the corner and turn the corner and turn the corner. It takes more energy. It's right. the same way with a river. If it has to go through a lot of curves and turns, it burns up energy, which in a river mm. is a good thing because we want that energy burned up before it hits the next town or the next farm field and creates a big blowout. Mm. So it burns up energy. Interesting. And then I know of a log or a dam in Barnesville yes. that was converted into those steps. Yeah, yeah, a series of rapids. Series of, and it looks now, I think it's three years later or at least two, and now the plants have been growing yeah. excuse me, <coughs> in between the rocks or whatever. It looks really pretty. Nice. So, yeah. so do you know about that project? I do, yes. So w w what is different, better, instead of that dam, which was also kind of fascinating in the winters when it was all iced up? I mean, I, right? I've seen it year-round. So yes. what yeah, is yeah. better or different with the dam and the well, steps? I don't remember what that dam was for. I think maybe it was control. I don't really remember. But it had a pond there. I don't know why. There you go. Pond so next to the lake. Right. Because, uh, yeah. So we didn't need that, right? So here's what happens when we have a dam. Number one, the fish and other ins uh, other aquatic organisms can't move upstream. They can move downstream. They can fall over the dam and go downstream, but they can't migrate upstream. Right. So it cuts off that habitat that's upstream. So mm. we have we. We use the term connectivity. We want to restore the connectivity of the river. So oh. how connected it is from upstream to downstream, also to its floodplain, right? So left and right, but upstream, downstream. So um, we used to think that things like mussels, you know, like clams, that they didn't move. They do move. Oh, really? Yeah, they can, they're slow, right? But they do move. If the place that they are becomes unsuitable, they will start moving. They have what they call a foot. It's this fleshy yeah. thing. They protrude and they clamp onto the, the substrate and they pull themselves forward so really? they can move. Yeah. But the other really important thing about dams, well, lots of important things, but another thing is that they stop the sediment. So when you have a dam, the water, before the dam, the water is coming fast and it carries sediment with it, yeah. which is natural. There's always sediment moving through a river. When you put a dam in, the water slows down. When the water slows down, the sediment, the dirt, all settles out. Sure. So it fills up that reservoir. And it, if it's a flood control dam or whatever it is, mm -hmm. it, it, that becomes an unusable space then. And because then downstream we don't have the sediment going over where it should, then it creates erosion downstream because we say water is sediment hungry. Oh. It is. It's grabs new one. It grabs new sediment, right? So it's the stream banks, and then you get a lot of erosion because it's just taking what it needs. I always use the the um, example of a, a glass of tea. I make a glass of tea and I put sugar in it. And I stir it up, and it all goes into solution. I think, oh, it's not sweet enough. I put in more, and I put in more until it won't go into solution anymore. That's sort of what happens with the river. So it's carrying this. Really? Right. It's it's carrying organic matter with it and because it has all this energy and it has this moving water, but then there's a sudden slowdown because of a dam. So when it has that sudden slowdown, then it drops all that organic matter out. Mm. So then when it gets down below the dam, it's, it's going fast again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, so then it picks up more. Huh. 
So there's a professor in you, an <laughs> right. educator. So um, uh, very interesting. Um, but local stories or examples, I guess. Yes. Many more in Becker County and Autotel County, I suppose. Um, tell us just a little something about uh, the It's the campus in Morris. Correct. And it's a University of Minnesota full campus. They offer degrees in liberal what's what they all offer yeah liberal arts and they also are very big in sustainability so they have lots of um, projects going on all the time around um, sustainability with natural resources but also with um, um, how do we do better um, not creating so much waste mm. right I was recently at a meeting there and we had um, mm. cookies and and drinks and at the end of the meeting they said Everything, all of your plates, all of your silverware, all of that goes in this compost bin right here. Everything, it was planned that way. And we don't see that very many places and we need to see that in more places. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, so uh, the extension college, or what exactly is that? Well, extension was, well, so there's extension in most states, maybe all states, I should know that. But um, because the University of Minnesota is a land-grant institution, so it was created by um, a stroke of the pen many, many years ago to say, we are committing the state of Minnesota to do research and provide education for the citizens of the state. Okay. And so Extension's role is to um, take all of the the findings of the research that happens at the university and beyond the university, but to take that information and to bring it to the people outside of the campus, beyond the campus. So we're the connectors that say, hey, there's all this new stuff being learned. How do we apply that to people's lives? So you extend the knowledge to the people. Exactly. Are you, is this extension campus or college, is that only in Morris or all over the state? All over the state, Ah, yes. Okay. Big organization. Ah, so, so, so the University of Minnesota Extension Division or College, like yeah. you're, okay, connecting all the knowledge gathered and inventions or scientific research collections, yes. you bring it to the people and that brings you to Detroit Lakes. Right. Well, and, and it goes the opposite way too. So when we work with communities and we identify needs, then we can go back to the university and say, people need to know more about this and that they can find a way to get those answers hmm. okay very interesting I really didn't know I I mean obviously extension is stands for it to extend right um, maybe my lack of English as a, a mother language um, but okay very clear very yes. good uh, um, how about 4-H do you know about 4-H that is for like kids high yeah, it school. Is. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, the and program it with the animal and, and agricultural science yeah and a lot of other things too right okay. there's some uh, creativity and art and all sorts of things but that's part of extension oh master gardeners master naturalists um, a lot of work with crops and ag all extension oh so 4-H is a division of the University of Minnesota extension correct Oh, okay. Yeah. I did not know that one. Yeah. Okay, very interesting. So, um, tell us about Aqua Chautauqua. I understand it's your fourth event. There has been um, two in Fergus Falls in the past, and already one in Detroit Lakes. And you um, bring a um, an expo kind of um, event to um, Dunton Locks, right. right next to the DNR 
uh, headquarters for Becker, for Becker County. Um, and tell us about what to expect. What are you doing there? Okay, so um, what to expect. Uh, I, I don't like the phrase water festival, but it's the best I can come up with. But the differences are that we really push hard for everything to be hands-on, interactive, something that people come and do. So we're, we're setting up about 20 different learning stations where people can come and talk to experts about all things water. So it's about drinking water. It's about uh, what kind of fish we have in our lakes around here. So the DNR will be there and they'll have a, a great big fish tank with all sorts of native fish in it that they can talk to you about. Um, we have um, lots of things for kids to do, but we also have a lot of things that are really geared toward adults. So it's a nice mix of things. Hmm. Um, so it's not just a kid's party event right. and a carnival. It's really something where I learn. I'm supposed to learn something. Absolutely. And I want to come there to get educated. Yes. And that's why it's also five to eight so that I can come there after work. Right. Okay. Okay. And you had a few hundred people uh, in the past. So the goal is three to four hundred people. Right. But it's not too busy. Right. Because it's flowing carefully or slowly enough for people to engage at East Booth. You said right. 20 stations. So yeah. what, I mean, that's a lot. That's It is a, a lot. So let's walk through those stations a little bit. Sure. Okay. So let me tell you about a few of them. Um, the Becker County Museum will be there. They're going to be talking about fishing memories. So mm -hmm. looking back through the years, how did people fish? What did they catch? Some, I'm sure I haven't seen what they have yet, but I'm sure they have some amazing pictures of the fish that people caught in the past. So they're always a lot of fun to talk to because they've got our history, right? Yeah. That's where we came from. So um, history there. Also, I'm just throwing out some random ones here, but um, stormwater, where does the water go that comes off of our house? Like two days ago. Like two days ago, exactly. Where's it going to go? Yeah. So we need to start paying more attention to where our stormwater goes because when the water flows across the surface of the land, it picks up dirt and pollution with it, and it carries it to our lakes and rivers. So we got to be smarter about how do we control that? How do we stop it before it gets to the lakes and rivers? Um, we are going to have um, a stream model there, which is a kind of a sandbox, mm -hmm. but we have a stream flowing through it so everyone can get their hands in there and play engineer and uh -huh. move things around and see how the river reacts when we put in a dam or if we make it go straight or if we build a lot of houses on the shoreline, what happens? Oh. So people get to get their hands in there. We always have the kids want to get their hands in and the adults put their hands behind their backs, but after a while they get in there, but <laughs> it's good for everybody. Uh, we'll have a video booth where people can sit down and tell us their watershed story. Whatever mm -hmm. their water story is, we want to hear it. So if people are brave, feeling uh, comfortable in front of the camera, we want them to sit down and tell us their story. <laughs> um, we'll have some um, really um, not very fun topic, but something really important to people who don't live in town is septic systems. We yeah. have septic systems. Are we maintaining them well? People sort of... A lot of times don't understand how they work, but we need to figure that out so we know if we're managing them right or not. So we'll have a station on that. We'll have one on bugs and the macroinvertebrates that live in the water so people can get their hands on them and um, touch them and find out what's in there and what it means for the water. Because what bugs are there, just like what fish are there, gives us an indication about if things are healthy or not healthy in our lakes and rivers. So 
They can talk to the experts about that. So okay. all kinds of great things going on. Yeah, it sounds like really fascinating. And um, I'm really curious. I'm hoping to be able to uh, actually see what's going on. Um, so those experts, um, you mentioned that's the DNR. Um, who all is involved? Like, is it all university employees or, or professors? No, we, I've got lots of great partners helping on this. So we've got DNR. There's also Pollution Control Agency, Soil and Water Conservation Districts, uh, Pelican River Watershed District. I always worry that I'm forgetting someone. Of course, the Becker County Museum. Um, they're all going to have stuff there. I'm trying to think if I'm missing anybody. Extension will be there with 4-H. Also, we have um, Ben Page is coming from St. Paul. He he has a project going on at the university where he's looking at using satellites to be able to um, measure and monitor what's happening with water quality by using satellite data. Uh -huh. So he'll have that, you know, a display set up there where people can look at that. So. That'll be a fun one to see. Yeah. A lot of these I haven't seen yet either, so I'm excited. Yeah, no, it sounds really, and we don't want to share it all uh, at once. Um, um, so this is your full-time role or job to actually communicate outside of the university. Right. So um, what is it all that you are actually the expert in? Mm-hmm. Well, my role is water resources in general, but my background is very much in streams and rivers and especially how they move. So if I were going to pick a title, I'd say I'm a fluvial geomorphologist. Oh, okay. <laughs> but really, I'm an educator around water issues yeah. all the way around. But rivers are what I know best. Do you still teach a few classes then? I do. Um, so with extension, a lot of what we do is sort of on-demand teaching. So like in uh, May, I did some work with Itasca County. They're creating a volunteer base where those folks are going to work with others on restoring shorelines. So they had me come and teach those folks about restoring shorelines. Mm -hmm. So I teach in that capacity. I also teach a class every semester, an online class, um, really for water resources, natural resources professionals. So soil and water conservation district staff and that sort of thing so that they get a, a broader understanding of what it takes to do their job because most of us come out of college with that um, natural resources science background, but we don't understand how do you work with people. Oh. And we've got to work with people because I always say natural resources problems aren't problems without the people. It's the people that are creating the problems. So if we remove the people from the equation, it would all be fine. So we've got to work with people to get some change. Going. Okay. So what is uh, the biggest red flag? Uh, like if you say, um, and we, I mean, we are the ones polluting society, um, us actually intruding into nature. So if mm -hmm. you look at it from the nature standpoint, we are damaging nature by default. Right. We're not supposed to be here. We're not supposed to put tar here. Right. Oh, we did and we have to because that's actually what we do. We live <laughs> and yeah. we have our communities. But <clears throat> what what can we do? Uh, um, what can we do easily as a citizen or, or a resident, a community member to prevent? Is that like an easy one, two, three? Mm, yeah, like I'd say. Flush the toilet less often? or Yeah, that's part know. of it, right? I mean, for years we've said what you should do is not let the water run while you brush your teeth. Uh -huh. And it's, you know, I'm not sure that's making a really big difference, but every little bit helps. I would say 
For number one, I would like people to pay attention to what water runs off of their property mm -hmm. and if it's clean or not, right? In a lot of communities, we're seeing the storm drains mm. on the street. They're labeling them. They're, um, they're stenciling them. So it says drains to lake or drains to river. So it makes people think about, oh, when I throw my garbage out here, whatever runs off of my driveway is going down there and it's going right into that lake over there that I really love. Mm -hmm. So they start making that connection. So it's a, really about raising the awareness of where does that water go? And what, mm, yeah. And the consequence does, with yeah. adding to the water. Right, right. So it's, it's really twofold, it's quantity and it's quality. So mm -hmm. we wanna keep as much water where it where it starts, right? If it rains, I want to hold it on um, that piece of property when it rains, right? We have rain gardens. So look at your piece of property and say, can I hold the water? That's for volume, but it's also for quality because again, when that water runs and it picks up everything that's in its path, like antifreeze that dripped out of somebody's car or uh, leaves that came off of the trees, we want to keep that from moving. And it's all those hard surfaces that you mentioned. It's the impervious surfaces. The rain used to fall on prairie, on forests, on open land, and it would soak in or be taken up by the trees or evaporating off. But now, now it runs off and then it's a too much? Yes, too much and too fast. Yeah. So we've made the water move really fast. Yeah. It's similar in some ways to straightening that stream. We yeah. make that water go faster. Because we have this idea that we should make the water go away. Well, <laughs> I don't want water coming through the roof of my house any more than anybody else. But I can be smart about, okay, if it's not going to come, I, I, I'm moving it off of this space where my house is, but where can I hold it? Contain it, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you just mentioned a rain garden, and, mm -hmm. and I was thinking of a rainforest, which is obviously wrong so what's a rain garden yeah good question it's uh it's just a garden but instead of being level with the ground it's uh, recessed down into the ground a little bit like six inches so it's a a, a shallow a basin, basin. Or like, ah, yeah, like yeah. a pond like it's lower so the water can okay yeah and you have to be strategic about where you situate it because you want to catch the water the runoff yeah so if you have a downspout coming off of your house You might look at that downspout and say, where does the water go? And is there a place that I can build a rain garden to intercept that water before it gets to the curb, before it gets into the lake? Like a buffer zone. Yeah, but it's a basin. But if they're, when they're built right, the water doesn't sit in there. So you're not creating a pond because people don't want mosquitoes, right? Fair enough. But the, if they're built right, the water soaks in within 24 hours because it's only six inches deep. So you have to build them in places where the soil is permeable. So it will, if you had solid clay, the water's not going to soak in. Right. But if you have permeable soils, the water will soak in. And that is like just earth, like black dirt or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it depends. So some areas have sand naturally, then it's going to soak in, right? Sure. Some areas have clay naturally. So then if you really wanted a rain garden in that area, you'd have to amend the soil. You'd have to dig it out, mix yeah. in some sand, maybe some tiny gravel to loosen that up. Right, right. Okay. Huh. And um, do you see that happen by many people? Um, we're seeing it more and more all the time. And we're seeing it happen in cities. So a lot of cities are starting to look at how they manage it on their own land. Mm -hmm. So in their parks and on public land in the city. So um, here, Detroit Lakes has several mm -hmm. rain gardens around town on public and private land, mm -hmm. right? 
Um, Fergus Falls, which is my closest community, they have done several now. And it's, it's not a very, um, it's, the science isn't really solid on it because every situation is different. And so sometimes we build them and they don't work the way we want and then we tweak them a little bit. Mm -hmm. So people have to be comfortable with that, that it's not just here's the recipe, throw it together, it's going to work. Mm. You have to be able to play with it a little bit. But anybody that can make a, any kind of a garden could make a rain garden. Mm. Okay, sure. And what's like the one-on-one or the uh, easiest uh, way how, how we can, as a user, or if we play in the lakes, um, what should we avoid? Like, um, like an easy one that actually is so obvious that we may not think about anymore. Or like, how can we protect our lake more. I mean, obviously, I don't want to drip the oil of the engine in there or like maybe not fueling up my... Or is fueling up is fuel that I spill? Mm-hmm. Is it damaging drastically or like was that impact? Yeah, well, it's cumulative, right? So if you do it, it's not terrible, but then the next person does it and the next person does it and it just accumulates to a point where it becomes detrimental. So I think fueling is important, right? We should do that away from the edge of the water. Mm -hmm. I think in the winter now we see a lot of maybe more ice fishing than we used to and a lot of stuff gets left on the lake that we don't want on the lake, right? So people should be more responsible about if they pack it in there, they should pack it out of there. So that would be a big deal. Um, Removing any kind of, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Everything. Yeah, it's waste and we should not leave it laying on the ice because when the ice melts, then it's in the lake. Right. Um, and I would say aquatic invasive species, which we'll talk about at Aqua Chautauqua too, but that's always a big thing, right? That we need to be very careful about when we move from one lake to another lake, that we're not moving some kind of uh, a zebra mussel or plant fragments that are going to wreck the next lake. I think sometimes we get the idea that all of the lakes are contaminated and it's all lost, but it's not true. Mm-hmm. It's really a very small number um, of lakes that really are Um, infested with some kind of aquatic invasive species so we can still prevent a lot of that right we're still really we're buying time until we figure out how to manage them but we can buy time better if everybody helps Mm -hmm. yeah no i i agree i see that um speaking of invasive species it's, it's not necessarily water but um is it fizzles the one with the purple flower and then they're called a fizzle the ones that are pokey I see them all over lately I don't know fizzles no pokey like they have a burr on them a round burr no it's not a fizzle um it's the leaf and they have those needles kind of to it it hurts I thought it was a fizzle oh um um now I just lost it um you know which one I mean nettles nettles I don't know they have purple flowers and then they have like a no oh I don't know okay sorry I'm not tracking with you sorry no I was I thinking didn't. nettles but it has a really tiny flower that you don't really even see no nettles burn when you go through them no. they burn no uh, I don't know I'm sorry I don't even know the German name by now um Diesel in German ah, it doesn't help <laughs> <laughs> yeah but my German's not that no, good no. but I see him I've never seen him so and I walk the dog I we have Oscar we, we I walk him by the fields and I 
And I think they're an invasive species, actually. They're not native. Okay. Oh, 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 sorry. Thistles. Thistles. Oh, I'm sorry. Thistles. Yes. You were very close. I don't know why I wasn't getting that. (laughs) Sorry about that. I was trying to think of something more exotic. No. no. Yeah, thistles. I'm sorry. I didn't even know that. Thistles. I thought it was thistles. Okay, good, good. That's close. They're all over now. Yes. Have they been, like, exploding? Or do you know anything about that? Um, I I don't really have any... any, any data to back it up. It seems to me like they're a lot more prevalent than they used to be. It's right? true for dandelions, I think, too. In the spring, dandelions are just solid. Right. We've always had, well, for a very long time, we've had dandelions, but it seems to me like they've gotten much more abundant. Yeah. Um, for dandelions, we really like them for the pollinators, and that yes. maybe is somewhat true for the thistles as well, but we have, uh, I don't know how many kinds of thistles, you know, probably three, four, five at least that I know of, and okay. we have some native thistles, but they are not very abundant, but okay. the non-native ones are very abundant, and by law we have to uh, control them. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I know, I know. I got a notice from the city that I've cut them. Down. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so that's how I know <laughs> Sorry. everything about that. Um, no, and I did cut them down. Oh, so boy. I hope it's not my fault that they're all over. <laughs> no, I ordered no. no. Um, but I see them on the fields lately um, mm-hmm. um, by Virgus, and I've never seen so many. So, and how do you? Now they're in the field. Nobody is cutting them down, mm-hmm. and they fly uh, right. the semen or whatever and yeah. seeds. And um, I mean, what do you do? Yeah, there's there's um, there's nothing we can do. So are they gonna grow? Like, what do you think? Is, is it gonna? Is it like a circle? A cycle? Mm-hmm. No circle. Are they gonna go away again in like ten years? Or how is that? I don't think they're gonna go away. Okay. But the only way that we will. Um, get rid of some of them is if people start controlling them, okay. which goes back to the counties. Uh, I think it's county base that they um, have the authority to force people to control them. Well, I want them to force the <laughs> minimal maintenance roads where they all are because that's where the production is going that's on right. and then they go to my yacht lawn so it's a devil's circle all of a sudden. That's right. right? I and mean, so they need to do it too. They're going to just tell me to watch it. Like they they right. are the originator maybe. Yes, exactly. And so... I have a lot of lot of um, feelings about things like thistles, right? Because some of them are biennials and some of them are perennials. So biennials, they make a rosette the first year and then the second year they shoot up a stalk and then they go to seed. Mm-hmm. So those, if you just cut them, keep them from going to seed, they're going to go away uh-huh. if everybody did it, right? But the perennial ones aren't going to go away. That you, is annual? Perennial means every year? It, yeah, it means they come back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, back. that same plant grows every year, and it still goes to seed and makes more plants, but that plant survives the winter and comes back up. Oh, yeah, So just oh. cutting it off and keeping it from going to seed isn't going to get rid of it. Mm. So I have this love-hate relationship with chemicals for treating those things because it's not good for the water, not good for the environment, not good for the human, right? Mm. But how are we going to get rid of the perennial ones if we don't use it? But it's so easy to control the biennials by just keeping them from going to seed. Mm, if okay. we do it in time, we have to do it before they start flowering. And understood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I don't think we want to open the uh, roundup topic. No, no that's okay. not. Okay. Yeah. I don't like using it either. But yeah. Yeah. Do you have uh, um, natural, um, like I researched that actually the other month, um, was it um, vinegar, uh, water, and then just a little bit of 
no, no, vinegar, salt, I think, usually. Yeah, se- se- uh, this, this Epsom salt. Epsom salt, yes. and then a little bit of dish soap. Yes, to make it stick, right? That's the surfactant that makes it stick to the plant. So um, oh. Roundup has a surfactant in it. So that's how it sticks to the plant long enough to do its damage. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard of people using that. I don't know how effective it is, but... Um, it, it was so-and-so. I tried it here on the thistles. <laughs> and yes. It, uh, it was not... I, I just wanted to have the least impact. Right. And, um, but, yeah, it wasn't as aggressive, I guess, or as good. Okay. Uh, it did start working. You saw it, like, getting brownish and dying but like I thought maybe you have a different secret for me well the the other thing that I do sometimes is like in my driveway I have a gravel driveway and the weeds all come up and I don't want them there so I take a tarp and spread it out over that and then the hot sun cooks them right you have to be willing to put up with a tarp laying in your driveway for a while yeah so it's not everybody's solution but (laughs) it's a non-chemical way to do it okay and then they're they're dying through the root yeah if you leave it on there long enough it will cook especially if it's in the sun Interesting. Yeah. Like what, a week? Mm, depends on how hot it is. Oh, okay. For me, it's longer than a week. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. maybe two. Two weeks would probably do it in July and August. Uh, it's kind of like putting a tent up for your kid and then the grass is all dead afterwards. Exactly. Like, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah okay. Yes. Ah, interesting. Yeah, okay. Like just preventing it from light. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, and the and heat, heat from this. Yeah. So get a black it. tarp. Really? Yeah. It just cooks it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah. 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 Do you have um, studies or like in part of because we should be more careful with what we put into the grounds also because it goes to the water as simply it just always arrives at the groundwater at least. Mm-hmm. That's so, right. Yeah. So isn't like all this chemical? I mean, like I'm not a huge fan of it. Right. I'm not a huge fan of it either. Um, and I think we've kind of gotten stuck in a bad loop where we feel like we need it. And I do on my property. I have things plants that I'm controlling that I don't know any other way other than chem- okay. using chemicals. Just as so. cautious as we can. Exactly. It's always right. the, the model. Well, and we we have an issue with the Roundup. Sorry, here we go back to Roundup, right? <laughs> but it's, it's um, really detrimental in water. It is not approved for use near water because of that surfactant. So that's an oily based thing. So it I gets heard that it's not supposed to be used too close to the lake. Right. But now we have all of the Roundup ready crops and so a lot of Roundup is getting sprayed on and where is it going? Now we'd like to think that they're spraying it on in the right conditions and that all of it is staying in that field. But I don't think that that's true. So I think we need to be smarter, more cautious about how much and when and where we apply that. Is it going to dissolve or like with this thing or will it will it be a film on the lake eventually and then we just touch it? Is it going to go? Mm. Like, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't think that we can predict that yet because this is so new that we have Roundup Ready crops and we're using so much of it. I don't think we know where it's going to go. Yeah, I think it's very frightening. And I actually think we are not questioning enough. Mm-hmm. We should question so many more things and just like, oh, yeah, we want our popcorn or we want our, like, we all, all need it. No, no, we need to question those things too. That's right. Especially, Good. we are so connected to nature here. And in Minnesota, we are a very, um, yeah, connected state mm-hmm. with the outdoors. So we should actually always consider how can we protect it the most, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. Um, let's look forward to Aqua Chicago. Uh, Aqua Chautauqua. 
Good. Ah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> and twenty uh, uh, stations. I'm really excited. Um, I am too. I think you. I hope you will have more than three hundred uh, attendees. Not too many, but um, enough to um, educate, but uh, as little so that everybody gets their chance to experience. Mm -hmm. And um, um, if I may ask one more closing question, what is your um, what what does lake life mean to you? I mean, you live in Fergus Falls, you said Minnesota for a long, long time. But what do you like most about the lakes or lake life? Mm. To me, lake life is about the peace and quiet that I can find when I go out on a really still day in a kayak and I can see the birds and the uh, bugs down in the water and just have a peaceful um, rejuvenating time on the water. Yeah, yeah. You kayak. I do kayak. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like. Never enough. Never enough. No. Very good. Can I can I plug our prizes that we're going to give away? Oh, you have prizes. We have prizes I at Aquish and Chocolate. Yes. yes. <laughs> this is a big deal because we're giving away a kayak. Really? Yes. No way. One lucky winner will win that night. So people come and they fill out their bingo card. We have bingo. They go around to all the stations, fill out their bingo card, and then they turn it in. And at 7.45, we're going to draw a winner for the kayak. And then for kids, we have a drawing for, we have two different fishing poles that kids are going to win. So there wow. are good options. Okay. Yeah. And, and we'll have some other smaller prizes too. So. Cool. And the yeah. bingo is yeah, uh, depending on the stations or? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Each station they go to, you know, there's certain ones on there and people will, the, the educators will sign off on them. And okay. Yeah. Then they turn it in. Well, I think now I have to come. No. I think you do too. <laughs> maybe you'll win. Yeah. Maybe, no. Yeah. Very good. Well, I will let somebody else win. Uh, that's for sure. But uh, I didn't know that. That's very cool. Yeah. So uh, another reason to... Uh, to attend for the kayak experience. Yes. Thank you so much for coming. Um, Thank you. And visiting us here in Perm. And uh, yeah, you have a wonderful weekend ahead. And good luck at the event. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, this was already our uh, newest episode of the Lake Life Weekend podcast. We sure hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tune in again next week with another great guest and updates. Always check out our website, uh, lakelifeweekend.com. And if you have some comments, please feel free to email us at hello at lakelifeweekend.com. And uh, you have a wonderful weekend ahead. Awesome.